Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Midweek War. We are here. I'm Mad Mike. We're here to talk to Cruiserweight Classic. It is the go-home show to the live special, which is next weekend. It's going to be amazing. And because we have such a huge week of wrestling this week, tomorrow night we are doing uh, the Midweek War Lucha Underground with special guest co-executive producer Krista Joseph. So we are foregoing all of the rankings tonight. And with me to help do that and to talk about the rest of this show is the voice of Inspire Pro Wrestling, Eamon Payton. How are you, sir? I am happy about wrestling. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy right now. I want, I want to talk about this show so badly. It's, it's pretty great. Um, and with, with us is our friend in the mainstream media, and finally, my in-real-life friend, Matt Carlins. How are you, sir? Thank God for this show. Thank God for this quaint, simple little wrestling show. Makes where where things make sense. That should be the tagline for the Cruiserweight Classic. Cruiserweight Classic, where things make sense. Yes, absolutely. And we all love making sense here. Um, so we're gonna do a word, and then we're just gonna start talking about the show. Uh, Eamon, what will be your word for this week's Cruiserweight Classic? Uh, my word isn't is less of a word and more of a sound. <laughs> Yeah. Is it the sound of a human being having both arms bent behind his back? Oh, oh, God. No, no. <laughs> like what it was. Because that was my reaction tonight for a certain thing that happened that we'll get to in a bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Matt, how about you? What was your word slash sound effect? Friends. Aw. We'll be there for you. They love Matt. to beat each other up. We'll be there for you, Matt. Um, my word is chalk. Chalk. Okay. I disagree. Chalk. I disagree. Chalk. All right. Uh, so let's get into it. The first match we had was a uh, little guy by the name of Zach Sabre Jr. <laughs> I love it. I love Sabre, his hummus. Like the hummus? I love yeah. his hummus. <laughs> I know. Zach Sabre Jr. going up against Noam Dar. Um, this was really good. <laughs> holy. All right. Can I say what my favorite thing about this match was? Uh-huh. It was the, not even the finish, the end of the match where Zack Sabre Jr. literally had to communicate without arms that A, yeah, I know I won the match, you can't raise my arm right now, and two, bring it in for a hug, big guy. <laughs> like, he had to communicate those things without the use of his arms. Zack Saber didn't his nickname, but Zack Saber Jr. is kind of a wizard. Like he's he's like I think he has literal magic. You, you know what this was? All right, um, how familiar are you guys with the Harry Potter series? Fairly. Okay. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, I'd be zero. Okay, there is a scene in the second movie. I'm going to go by movies because that's a little bit easier to look up. Okay. Where um, Harry Potter has all the bones removed from his arm. Yes, I do remember that scene. That is this. <laughs> that is yeah. this, and it is both arms, and it is amazing. Well, we'll get to the... Before we get to the arm stuff... I, oh, I, yeah, no, I mean, I I had to say it. 
because it's yeah. so great. And, it, uh, and it's my lower third. That's how much I loved it. The, the one thing I think I love the most about this match, and I think more than any other, like, one match this whole year, but particularly also in this tournament, it felt like a fight. Yeah. Like, it, this did, like watch this match. It doesn't feel, like, choreographed or, like, like... You know, even even at the least choreographed of wrestling match still comes off with like, okay, I can see they're doing this and this and this to like get to this point. Like, it was very much like it felt like they were just going at. They, I felt it, it was almost like they had no plan, and were like, we're just going to do this, and we're going to grapple, and we're going to do all this stuff. And it was amazing. It really was amazing. Um, there were a lot of flurries of just like rapid fire, trying to grab one another and and twisting, reversing, like things that you're told that the wrestlers are supposed to do this slowly so that the fans can kind of see what's happening. And Zack Sabre and Noam Dar are just like flying through all this stuff. <laughs> rapid felt, fire. And the fans still were, 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 were into it, obviously. Yeah, it, it, I hate to say it. It's a stupid thing to like about a wrestling match, but it felt real. Like, it felt like a real fight. Like, it felt like, you know what I mean? It just came up. Like, because it didn't look completely, like, clean all the time. Like, there was one part, I think, where, like, Zach, like, misses a kick, like a like a roundhouse or whatever, like, completely whiffs it, and then, like, they roll into, like, something else. And it's really well done and really well executed. This is definitely Nolendar's best match of the tournament. Um, and I, I... I did like that that fact. I like that the matches on this week's show were, were so different, but both different and yet great in their own different ways. Um, the match we'll talk about later to me was like remarkably crisp and just precise. Whereas this one, um, Zack Sabre and Noam Dar had all these nice rough edges and just kind of had this dirty feel to it, which was also awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I particularly enjoyed was, um, and I'm not sure if it was exactly the, the true turning point and uh, maybe the beginning of the end for Noam Dar was when, he briefly became disinterested in working on Zack Sabre's leg and started working on his arm. And Daniel Bryan, like, pounces on this. Why is he working on his arm? He's been working on his leg the whole match. And well, and, and it, it wasn't long after that that the match was over, by memory. Well, also because it, it's, it's perfect how they set that up. with Because um, Sabre injures his arm when uh, Dar has him in the leg submission and he, they just do a quick roll to the outside onto the floor and the way Sabre lands, he lands yeah, he on his like, elbow. Yeah, he landed like right on his shoulder or elbow. And I bought, I will, I'll say this completely, I bought it. I bought that it could have been a legit injury. Mm-hmm. Like, because just the way he was talking to Drake, the referee, like, I, I, I bought that it could have been legit. Like, he, because sometimes you just roll out and you, you know, we've we've seen injuries happen for like, you know, smaller stuff than that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think, and, and it played perfectly into the match. Um, I, one of my underrated favorite spots was, I think Sabre went for, like, a running, like, uppercut, and Dar catches his arms into, like, a delayed backslide, which was... Oh, yeah. In midair. Yeah. yeah. That was, was amazing. That was... I, I Honestly, I thought that was going to be a finish. I thought it was going to be, like, one of the bigger upsets. I really thought that for a second. Mm-hmm. And so let's get to the finish, though. Um, Saber tries to lock in Dar with the submission he won in the first round with, 
which was the um, – is that the Jim Brake special I think they mentioned? I believe uh, so, yeah. Yeah, so it's basically him with having the arm. It's kind of like almost like Pentagon submission in a way, except without the immediate snap, it's more of a submission hold. Um, he traps the bottom arm and then uses his arms and pulls back on the other arm to kind of dislocate it out of socket. Uh, but the key is he can't lock it in because he has no arms because his arms have been completely neutralized. So Saber says, screw it. I'm going to use my legs to lock in the submission. uh, Oh my God. It was so good. It was was so one that gets, that gives me a wrestling nerd boner. Like the idea that he couldn't use his arms, so he did his same submission hold, but with his legs, is so amazing to me. But also, watch it. I've watched it at least twenty times now. It is the grossest thing I've ever seen. The way <laughs> Noah Dar's arm bends. It is disgusting. I always like it when a match ends with a move that the entire crowd universally agrees. This has to be the end. You know, it's right. never good whenever, mm-hmm. like, you got your near falls, and, and believe me, we all love a good near fall. But even better is, is that decisive ending where, like, you know what? There's no shame. This is over right here. There's no way this is this is going past. Yeah, we're, we're like the entire arena is going, what? Or, or like, for a, for a pin, that like, everyone is counting one, two, three. Like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. But it's like, no, and we don't blame you. You just dislocated your shoulder, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got his legs wrapped around your arm, and you're being, you know, he's basically trying to move your arms to the opposite shoulders. And I didn't even notice this until watching it back. Uh, he he just wrenches on the arm with his legs, and then to make sure, just to make perfectly sure, he starts headbutting the shoulder. Yeah. I, I mean, because his arm was toast, and. Zack Saber Jr. knew this has got to be the end. Like, okay, yeah, I, I've got Good the arm touch. back this far. Let's just use my head to repeatedly bash it into his shoulder joint. Just tap out right now. Yeah, it was so good. It was so so good. I, I, we say this, I think, every week, but this may be one of my favorite, ma- definitely one of my favorite matches of the quarterfinals. Um, is up there. I would say top. I'd say top five in the, in the whole tournament so far. Um, that's pretty good because yeah. for, for a different reason, like, like like the selling, I think I loved in this. Is the, well, is yeah, the, and they even sold after the match too, which was nice. Yeah, because you don't see that a lot of times. Is like, like Zach Saber Junior. literally told the ref not to raise his hand in victory. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he said no, no, no. It's it's okay. I know I won. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it, I. I'm not sure if it's my top, one of my top five matches of the tournament or not, but I, I think it's interesting because I felt like to this point, like Zack Sabre Jr. had, I don't want to say he'd been underwhelming, but when you come in as the best technical wrestler on the planet, that's pretty high bar to get over. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, I mean, at the end of this match, you're like, okay, I got your buddy, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Guys, it's like this match is where that, like, this right, is, where you is get Zach Saber Jr. So yeah, like this match is where you get it if you hadn't gotten it before. Um, I still don't know if I'm there on Noam Dar personally. Um, I don't know. He seems. Um, I mean, he's a great wrestler. He's, he's a fabulous in ring talent, but just I don't get a personality from him in the ring. I guess I appreciated his selling in this match more than anything. Like the selling sold me on him, 
uh, I think he, I would love to you know, know more about him, like, and know more of his personality. Because it seemed like he had, like, some cocky moments, like, towards the beginning, which mm-hmm. I, I, which I appreciated. Like, I, I want more of that, like, be more of that guy, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. I think for, how old is he, 23? Yeah, I think so. He's pretty, he's pretty amazing for a 23 Because the comment is, he watched Brock Lesnar when he was 11. <laughs> and, oh, and and he made him want to be a wrestler. And I'm the I'm usually the young one here. So if that make these guys, I'm, you know. Yeah. Make damn, him, we are all. Feel like an old man. We are all so old. We are all so damn old. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, and Zack Sabre Jr. moving on. As we kind of predicted, he would. Um, so, anything else from that match before we move on to the next one, you guys? Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Both of these matches were great. All right. In their own unique ways. So. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the other match, uh, we had TJ Perkins and Rich Swan. Let me tell you something. <laughs> um, my favorite cruiserweight of all time, probably my favorite wrestler of all time, is Dean Malenko. I love Dean Malenko because he's so precise. And he's so just precise. And everything looks great. And that's was TJ Perkins in this match for me. Like Everything looked perfect. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how I quite explain it. Like, just everything was so crisp and so fluid. I mean, Rich Swan too, was amazing. There were points in this match where Swan and Perkins were moving so fast, um, some of these back and forth little choreography early on, yeah. but it looked great. They are just both super athletic, super quick in the ring, um, and it was awesome to watch. So yes, while we had you know the dirty wrestling of the Zack Saber and Noam Dar, this one was just like we're going all out. We're gonna try to hit everything, and you know they did. It looked great. Those two were made for one another in the ring. Yeah, and I think it, it gave me a new appreciation for Rich Swan. Like, I love Rich Swan, but like his uh, going back to, I guess my word for this week should have been selling. Like the selling of this match by Rich, I thought was amazing because he's normally just known for his flips. Like, uh, not not knocking him, but that's what he's kind of known for. And he was amazing in his selling of the leg in this. Like, um, just some of the ways he moved on things like th- differently. A lot like what I said with Perkins and Gargano. He moved differently. Yeah, like and he then, had, like he had to adjust for stuff. Little stuff and, like and, when when and Brian Mendel- by the announcers too in this in this match too when they were going on about Rich Swan changing up his game and he's doing more power moves because he's he lost the use of one of his uh, legs. Yeah, that that really inspired me as like a commentator is like hearing Brian being like he can't get enough pressure up down down on his legs, so he couldn't get high enough on the tornado DET like he normally yeah. does. And I'm like, yeah. that's so amazing. Like, like oh. and they took what was kind of like, yeah, because you expect that tornado DDT to be like this huge near fall, and it didn't have that reaction from the crowd. And, and like Brian, just the way he calls it afterwards, kind of br- brings it all back together. And just like, you know, you, you're you're worried like it's almost like there's this little crack in the reality. And, and Brian on commentary just kind of like patches it over real quick and just like right back into the moment. That, that's that's one of my favorite things about what Brian and Morrow have been able to do on the commentary front, like for the whole tournament. I mean, Brian tends to get a little fanboy sometimes, 
especially when Brian Kendrick is in the ring. Um, I would I would just say like throughout the whole because he reminds me and I watched this recently. Um, it's that Brian and Morrow on commentary are very reminiscent of me when Mick Foley and Joey Styles did the first ECW One Night Stand. Mm-hmm. If you watch that show again, just listen to the commentary. Mick Foley is just very excited to be there, and Joey Styles is the one that's keeping everything grounded. Morrow and Brian have a similar dynamic, and it works, but you can still get a little bit too much of the, like, uh, for lack of a better term, squeeing over things that Brian does. Yeah, I, I just, I'm, like, I'm the kind of person that really enjoys that because I don't know that kind of stuff. Person, I know people who don't like it mainly because I'm a guy who has done that in the past, and I've been told before by people who don't like it. Um, uh, but I like it because, like, it adds, it makes me excited watching. Like, oh yeah, like I mean, I like it to a point, but there's a point where you're excited, and then there's another point where you're Don West. That's fair. I mean, it, grand. grand. You watch TNA now, I'd kill for Don West. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but still, like, there, there's a point where it's too much. And Brian, for me personally, sometimes he hovers that line, but he's been pretty consistent for the most part. I mean, this whole thing, this whole concept is right in Mars' wheelhouse because he's just sitting there calling fights. Mm-hmm. And Brian's strength from just being, you know, just a technical in ring genius is that he can make nearly anything in the ring makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you, when you put those two guys together and then you give them matches that are this good, where there was like, th- that are just this legitimate and so easy to just like fall into and the selling is so good and the psychology is so good. I mean, it's just like such a, such a simple formula. Yeah. Um, H- has Brian wrestled everyone in the final four now? I don't know. I don't think he's wrestled Metallic. I don't. Th- I don't even think he's he's wrestled Saber. No, I'm sure that had to have happened at some point. I think they were like. I think by the time Saber really broke out, Brian was already signed. Unless it was okay. like a kind of under underrated like match or something like that, like a match uh-huh. no one talks about. Like other than that, I don't think he's wrestled Saber. Huh. Okay. I I thought he said at one point that he had wrestled Saber. Maybe. I. I yeah. I feel like no. Saber- there there is a match of them. From March 2008. Thank you, YouTube. Oh, cool. <laughs> Actually, there's... there. Wow, they had a 30-minute Iron Man match, apparently. Yeah, because it probably was in the UK or something. That's that, That's what it looks like, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when Saber got big, I, like Brian, I think, was already signed, so... Yeah, I think he was signed to Ring of Honor, not WWE. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, that... 30-minute Iron Man match is a video game, but there is an actual match with them. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I think Brian's wrestled everyone except for maybe Grand Metallic. I don't think he's wrestled them. Yeah. But, um... So... It, also, uh, going back to this match, TJ Perkins, I'm going to be a bit of a spoiler in this tournament. Definitely. Definitely. He's the, he's the Cinderella. I think um, a lot of people thought Johnny would advance, and I think a lot of people thought Rich would advance. Mm, I, I don't I, know I about that. I definitely had the sense, just looking at the brackets, that I actually, when I kind of mocked out my bracket, I did have Rich Swan in the final four, so this was definitely a surprise to me. Okay, um, yeah, I mean, like, I expected Gargano, but once I saw what they were doing with Gargano and NXT, I kind of had a feeling that they're not going to advance him in the Cruiserweight. 
but I don't know. T.J. Perkins seems like if you just gave like if not T.J. Perkins, I I say he would be like the five seed. Yeah, but like Coda, Graham Metallic, and Zack Saber Jr. are all number one draft picks. Right, totally. They're, they're all number one seeds. Like I don't know, just something about it said like Rich had more of a ability to advance. I guess. Well, he was like, on NXT before. Like he was, he was a name people knew. I mean, that was definitely a factor too, and that. You would think that they would want someone who was from NXT on there. Well, that, but, that, you know, good for them. I mean, you know, maybe this is going to be the start of something for Perkins. So. Yeah, I like the idea of Perkins like being the guy that's like spoiling everybody. And I think that adds more intrigue to a match against Ibushi. Mm-hmm. Since Ibushi is the clear favorite. Like, what if TJ could beat him? Like, Wait, you know, hold on. You think Ibushi's the clear favorite? Well, he's one of the clear favorites. Okay, okay. Because I was oh, here yeah, saying. Sorry, sorry. He's the clear favorite in Ibushi versus Perkins. I think, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. As far as the Final Four go, um, it's a it's a outside of Perkins, it's a three way coin flip for me at this point. I'm yeah. not really sure. Where I'd, I'd be it. shocked if Perkins makes it to the finals, but again, I I was you know a little bit shocked the last two matches he's had. So mm-hmm. you know, um, now that we have the official final four, and next week we're getting the semifinals and the finals. Mm-hmm. Shall we make predictions, gentlemen? Yeah. All right. Um, well, we got uh, Zack Saber Jr. versus Grand Metallic. I have no idea what that match looks like. <laughs> like that is the most like Styles contrast match of this entire tournament. Would you say it's a Styles clash? Oh God. Um, let's not talk about that. <laughs> um, no, based off of what I think the finals is going to be. It, this is this has a closer potential than the other semifinal, but I'm going to say Saber. I think Saber Saber advances. Okay, all right, Matt. How about you? Um, I got a feeling that Grand Metallic is going to beat Zack Saber Jr. Every time I see Zack Saber Jr. on the Indies, he's always losing to somebody. <laughs> I know it doesn't <laughs> matter in the Cruiserweight Classic, but. It just sticks to me. Zack Sabre Jr. like losing. He can be beat. Um, anyway, I think um, the potential for oh, man, it's tough. But I think just the nature of what WWE is trying to do with this, um, and not knowing quite for sure if um, they're going to be able to get Sabre and or Bushi under contract, I think that probably works in Metallic's favor. And uh, I don't think it's necessarily the wrong choice, anyways, because I think Metallic and Bushi could be. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I guess I'm kind of the uh, the decider on this since you guys are going both ways. I'm gonna go Zack Saber Jr. I I just feel like there there has been a finals match I've pictured in my head that I'm like, okay, looking at the bracket, there's there's matches I'd like to happen, but there's a match that I think that's gonna happen, and I still think it's gonna happen because those those two guys are in the final four. So I'm going Zack Sabre Jr. All right. uh, Now, second match. We got TJ Perkins and Kota Ibushi. Eamon, who you got? I got to say Kota. Again, I could get shocked, you know, uh, but uh, I I think it's got it. To me, Sabre Kota is the way to go for the finals, it seems, Mm -hmm. Um, which that's going to be baller. But, um, yeah. All right, Matt, how about you? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Kota Ibushi. I don't see any reason why not to. 
Now I'm trying to figure out if Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. have ever had a match. <laughs> I don't think they've had a singles match before. I think they've... If I remember a vol- uh, WrestleMania weekend at the um, WWN Live Super Show, they were in a six-man tag against each other. Hmm. But other than that, I don't think they've ever wrestled one-on-one. Okay. Um, I, don't think, uh, I don't think that's ever happened. I just did a quick... Uh... Just Googled it real quick. Actually, no. Actually, now that I think about it, Sabre wasn't even in the six-man tag. So I don't think they've even ever wrestled in, in any match. Okay. Um, I mean, I think, I think they want to make that dream match. But like I said, I mean, I think who they can get out of a contract is going to play a role in this thing. I know we don't want it to, but... I See, I don't know about that necessarily. I don't think... But here's the thing. I don't think... Because I know Coda has said in interviews that he hasn't signed yet. Um, I don't think Sabre's ruled out yet when it comes to if he signed or not. Um, I think he, what I've heard is that he's going to sign, but he's going to sign later. Like he's, he's, yeah. he's not going to sign at the same time some of the other people are being signed. Because he doesn't yeah. want to get lost in the shuffle. It makes yeah, sense. and also, also, he's it, got it, like, also he's got like two belts he has to drop. Like he's, yeah, he's got some obligations to make and stuff like that. So Obviously, yeah. Don't they all? I mean, if I were, I mean, if Zack Sabre Jr. were here, in the fourth window of this hangout right now, I would be like, dude, sign that developmental contract. What more could you possibly learn yeah. on the independence at this point? You're already the best technical wrestler on the planet. Go to the development center, work out every single day, you know, <laughs> at just a Scotia mass and pick up some tricks from William Regal. And you could be the guy who beats Nakamura. That could literally happen. That's true. So, all right. Um, I was going to say Kota Ibushi. But you know what? And I still, I want to go on record. I still think it's going to be Sabre versus Kota. Mm-hmm. But for the sake of prediction, to be devil's advocate, let's say TJ Perkins wins. Um, I, I mean, Eamon, as you pointed out, he's been playing spoiler. Uh, I don't necessarily think him beating Rich Swan is as much of a spoiler. But him being Gargano definitely was. So I will say that uh, Perkins pulls the upset, and we get Perkins or Saber. That that I'm I'm going with that. Okay, I'm going with All that. Right. All right, now um, the finals. Who do you guys got? Eamon. I'm gonna say Saber. Okay, Matt. I'll take Metallic. All right, and I'm gonna say Zach Saber Jr. too. Because I have a feeling that he, I have a feeling that when he signs, it's going to be like when Rey Mysterio signed over from WCW. Like it's gonna be a couple months after, but he's gonna make a big impact. Because yeah. I don't think I don't think the signing, like if they were using this to crown the first cruiserweight champion, that's a different story. Exactly, completely different story. Because I think you can have, you could have Zack Sabre Jr. finish his tour up as the winner of the cruiserweight classic. And A, does nothing but help WWE and gets more awareness to their product. And then you can bring him in afterwards. Once you have an established cruiserweight division and you have a good champion, like let's say Neville yeah. or like a he- or like a really good cruiserweight heel, like, um, Brian like, Catcher a, or something. like a Tony Nese or something like that. Like, yeah. And then you bring in Zack Sabre Jr. And you're like... So, who's this guy claiming to be the best cruiserweight in WWE? And, boom, instant story. Mm-hmm. 
I, that is kind of a nice thing, especially when you say Neville, that kind of gets my imagination going because you imagine that the cruiserweights, at least early on, that they'll be doing a lot of these high-flying matches and things like that, and then you kind of set that up, and then you bring in Zack Sabre Jr., and he's unlike you know, any of those other guys before. Mm-hmm. Right. But to play devil's advocate, how many belts is Zack Sabre Jr. carrying around right now that he has to drop? He has two currently. That's how many times he's going to have to lose. That's how many times the winner of your cruiser, your inaugural Cruiserweight Classic is going to have to go down on the indies. Oh, I think I'm exactly. pretty sure they'll be okay with that. Yeah. I'm fairly confident they'll be okay with that. Yeah. I mean, uh, pe- hey, people got to drop belts. Yeah. People got to drop At belts. The, the, the day- only person that doesn't understand that is Bret Hart. People got to drop belts. <laughs> or Shawn Michaels. <laughs> And at the end of the day, um, does Zack Sabre Jr. need to win the Cruiserweight Classic to be the best, to come in as the best technical wrestler on the planet? No, not necessarily. No, but but if you have the trophy versus the championship, it sure makes one hell of a fight promo. And then you build up to Sabre versus Lesnar at WrestleMania, and then Sabre wins, and then we all go home happy. I thought we were doing Joe versus Lesnar. What happened we, to that? We, we could do that too, but I like okay. the guys. I, I like guys. the idea of like MMA, MMA guy Brock Lesnar getting his arm broken by Zack Sabre Jr. Guys, it's Nakamura versus Lesnar. Let's not mince <laughs> words about this. I guess. It's Nakamura versus Lesnar. The best part, the best part we're saying all of this, none of that's probably going to happen. Lesnar's going to wrestle, Randy, gonna wrestle Randy Orton for the next 10 years. Oh, no. Don't say that. That's oh, poor, it's, oh, poor yeah. Randy. Oh yeah, like, Randy. it's all Triple H and 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 John Cena for Brock Lesnar. That's all he's getting. Uh, hey hey hey, he wrestled Kofi Kingston. Yeah, well, no, you know what? You know what it is. It's gonna be the best underrated worker that everyone talks about, but no one sees. Ty Dillinger versus Brock Lesnar. Yeah, <laughs> the perfect ten versus the Beast Incarnate. If they did that at Takeover, they should bring Brock in for Takeover. And have him fight Ty Dillinger, and watch that crowd completely turn on Brock Lesnar and cheer for Ty Dillinger for about uh, five minutes, Matt, maybe four minutes, sail on, maybe ten minutes. Maybe. Or do um, uh, Lesnar Tazawa battle the German suplex? Since Tazawa has the actual better German suplex, Lesnar just does it a bunch and doesn't care where he lands people. That's the only difference in the in this. Well, yeah, it's it's the it's the I don't care if you die German. Right, Tazawa actually executes his well, and that's why. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious, since this next week is going to be the end of it, like who's like been some of your favorite guys aside from like the the final four? Who's been like your favorite guys in this tournament, Mike? I think I know for sure who, who one of yours has been. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say Cedric because I've I've, oh, I've well, him uh, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've given Cedric enough as much dap as. Daniel Bryan's given Brian Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack Gallagher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fucking A, man. Like, when I saw him on the, um, the, uh, oh, what they call it? The, like, the preview. Yeah, the bracketology. I was like, what is this guy? Like, <laughs> I had no idea. I knew he was going to be interesting and I was either going to love him or, oh my God, why am I watching him? But yeah. Uh, Jack Gallagher. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I cannot wait. Once I saw he was going to be on Raw, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm going to so say excited. I'm going to say Tazawa. Yeah. 
I think it's so cool getting to see Cesaro on that platform. I, I, it's amazing to me. Um, he's definitely one that sticks out. And phenomenal matches all around. Uh, I think all three of his matches in the tournament are great matches. All right. Yeah, I Matt, definitely you... fell in love with Tozawa. And um, I loved um, what little I saw of Fabian Eichner in that match against Jack Gallagher, which is mm-hmm. so cool. So cool. They were both just absolutely awesome. Brian Doza. Brian Kendrick. Oh, uh, Brian, Brian Kendrick has been so good this yeah. tournament. I really, I really wish that the finals was Brian Kendrick for Zack Saber Jr. Like and Kendrick <laughs> had, like Kendrick had different body part injured in every round, so like his arms sore. Like he's taped up like freaking Cesaro, <laughs> and he's going against Zack Saber Jr. who can literally bend any joint in any direction. Like that, yeah. uh, that would have been great, but. It's still going to be a fun show next week. Absolutely. And by the way, next week we will be doing a uh, wrap-up right after the finals for Cruiserweight Classic. Um, we're going to be watching it live, and uh, we will be we will be going into it right afterwards. And then, um, all right. So, uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to touch on before we um, before we uh, dive off here? I do have one thing. Yes. Um, I do want to give one more props to, um, uh, Swan and, uh, oh God, now my blank, it's getting late. I forgot the guy that Swan, Perkins, TJ Perkins. Yes. He's (laughs) in the final four. Um, but, uh, I want to salute them for the, um, the best use of dabbing in a wrestling match ever. Oh, that, 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 when we're Swan dabs, it got the biggest pop of the entire tournament. (laughs) (laughs) But even like, like Perkins, like the first time he, he gets in, in like, well, like a leg lock, mm. and he goes to dab, and like Swan immediately reverses. Like the second he like uh-huh. shows him a little bit of his head, he just like grabs it and like reverses yeah. him right out of it. So good. And, and I want to say, um, when Perkins got the tap out, and he immediately broke the oh. hold and went to hug oh, with Swan's yes. head. Oh my god, so good! Like honestly, because I was um, I was talking to you guys getting ready for the show, mm-hmm. I missed it. I missed it because I was watching it, and now all of a sudden I heard the bell ring. I'm like, "Well, wait, what just happened?" Because <laughs> I just saw them hugging. I'm like, "That doesn't look like a very painful submission hold." Yeah. <laughs> I rewound like ten seconds. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, there we go." Yep. But that finish happened so quick, so quick. Like I, it, it didn't even register when it happened. But he, I love that he broke the hold so quickly and just went right into like they didn't even have like the raising the arm hug is just like nope nope hugging you right after the match bro <laughs> right after sorry, the match sorry I beat you up best friend mm-hmm. yeah alrighty so Eamon, where can the good people of the internet find you uh oh uh oh for him. Yep, Amen froze out. All right, you can find him at Amen Two, please, on the Twitter. Also, you can check out the company he's involved with, Inspire Pro Wrestling, at Inspire Pro Res on the Twitter. Uh, Matt, how about you? Where can you, people find you on the internet? At Mainstream Matt with one T. Um, and please go check out um, IndieWrestling.us. Catch up with some of your favorite indie darlings. Our good friend, my best friend, indeed, my tag team partner, the Riz is uh, now the proprietor of the Around the Indies column. So hopefully he's going to be taking it to even bigger and better things. Like Bobby Roode hitting NXT, the Riz is going to take Around the Indies to new, better, indeed, more glorious 
heights than it's ever been before. But anyway, go check it out. Go support it. IndieWrestling.us. There's a lot of other fantastic um, independent wrestling there for sale. Digital downloads for you. I think there's a brand new compilation of some fella named Claudio Castagnoli. Um, he threw a mean European uppercut back in his day. And there's a, a fine new uh, compilation of his uh, travels down here in western Pennsylvania. Uh, some deals with some fella named Chris Hero. I guess they had a tag team. I guess they were all right. Back in the day, uh, uh, I believe they're the royalty of wrestling or something like that. Something, uh, something like that. They did some things. Um, anyway, yeah, go check it out. There's a lot of great stuff going on down there. Um, IndieWrestling.us, Mike. All right, and you can find me at Mad Mike four eight eight three on the Twitter machine. Also, um, I know it's late, but if you want to follow my live tweet of the first episode of season three of Lucha Underground, uh, look at at Mayhem Show. Hit up the hashtag MM. I am going to be live tweeting spoilers as soon as I hit the stop button on this podcast because it is late and I need to watch me some goddamn Lucha. Uh, I can't wait. <laughs> and speaking of Lucha Underground, Matt and I will be back here in these respective chairs tomorrow night. We will be talking to the co-executive producer, Krista Joseph. We are going to try and squeeze every bit of spoilers out of him we can. He will tell us nothing because he's really good at doing that. But if you have any questions for us, if you have deciphered his emoji tweet, Matt. No. Matt? No. I, I'll, it, it's Melissa Santos. That's what it was. All of it. Fair enough. Okay. That's, that's what that was. <laughs> she is the dragon and the snake. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, but seriously, folks, if you have any questions and you're watching this and you have time to get it in uh before we're back here uh uh thursday evening um at mayhem show on the twitter use the hashtag midweek war and uh we'll be looking for that tomorrow night and uh we'll drop a question or two on uh el hijo del coito from uh the masses and uh we'll see if you have better luck than we do absolutely i'm also gonna put in a um a pinned post on the facebook group so if you have any questions there i'll be reading that too we want to try and ask him as much stuff about the upcoming season of Lucha as humanly possible. All right. So for Matt Carlins, for the disembodied voice of Amy Payton somewhere off there in Texas, I'm Matt Mike, and this has been your Mid-Week War!